Hola, and welcome to Spanish Answers, a podcast that gives you unas llavitas claves as you unlock your Spanish language adventure. I'm your host, Sarah, with Language Answers, and today, in episode 90, we will be talking about Spanish verbs that have built-in prepositions. So have you ever noticed that some Spanish verbs don't need to be followed by a preposition like they do in English? That's because the preposition, if you will, is built into the verb's meaning. It's implied. For example, you don't say buscar para or buscar por, you just say buscar. Today, we'll look at five such verbs, not to mention our cultural tip on Honduras, focusing on the country's national holidays. So, let's begin. Once again, I would like to apologize for this being late. I honestly got my weeks mixed up and the kiddos weren't feeling good, so not sure what all happened, but bottom line is this episode is pretty late. And because the last episode was pretty long, at least for how long these episodes normally go, I'm going to try, I'm going to try and keep this one shorter. And to make up for my mixed up schedule, I'll also try to release an episode next week as well. And that should get us back on track. So we'll see what happens. Don't hold your breath. Cross your fingers. Let's go. So verbs with implied prepositions. If you're a native English speaker, sometimes Spanish verbs can trip you up. There are some where our use of a preposition is actually built into or implied by the verb's overall meaning. So let's look at five of these verbs, starting with the one we already mentioned at the opening, buscar. So number one, buscar, which means to look for. While in English, we must add the preposition for after the verb to look, this is implied in the Spanish verb. It would be very redundant to say, estoy buscando para mi chaqueta, or por mi chaqueta. You just say, estoy buscando mi chaqueta. Number two, escuchar, to listen to. In English, you always add a to when you're using the verb to listen. I listened to some awesome country music yesterday. They listen to mystery podcasts. In Spanish, however, the to is implied with the verb. So you you never say, estoy escuchando a mi música favorita, but rather, estoy escuchando mi música favorita. Now, of course, you still have to use the personal a. So if you're talking about listening to someone, then you will include the a. For example, escucha a tu profesora. Number three, esperar, to wait for. This is another verb that makes life just a little simpler in Spanish than in English. Instead of adding the preposition for, such as they waited for the bus, or why are you waiting for them in the rain, this preposition is implied in the verb esperar. Esperaron el autobús, or por qué los esperas bajo la lluvia? Notice how there is no need to attach por to this verb. Number four, pedir, to ask for. Just as with esperar, the verb pedir has the understanding of the preposition for built into it. You don't say pedí para or pedí por una almohada, instead just pedí una almohada. If you're wondering what the difference is between pedir and preguntar, check out episode 3, which of course I'll include all links in the show notes, and I'll also include a link where you can see a really old YouTube video I did for episode 3 there. Number 5. Pagar. To pay for. I just realized while writing these out that a lot of my examples involve the preposition for. I assure you not all of these types of Spanish verbs deal with that preposition. 
In English, we often have to add a for after the verb to pay. Note that I didn't say always because there are plenty of times where you could just say pay, such as did you pay the ticket. It adds a bit of nuance. If you say did you pay the ticket, it most likely means you're asking your friend if he paid his speeding ticket. But if you say did you pay for the ticket, now you're probably asking if he bought the ticket to the movie himself. These are the things I consider just for you guys. Anyways, in Spanish, though, this preposition is inherent to the verb's meaning. So you would say, el pagó el boleto, not el pagó por el boleto. That being said, there are shades of nuance in Spanish if you decide to include por or para after the verb pagar. If you are paying for something, such as paying someone for their work or buying them dinner, you can use por. For example, el pagó por nuestra cena. But in Spanish, this por is optional, whereas in English it is not. It is not optional, however, if you follow pagar with another verb. Te pago por escribir mi libro. I pay you to write my book. And if you want to play with even some more nuance, swap the por for a para to get the meaning of in order to. Te pago para escribir mi libro. I pay you in order to write my book. Real Fast Spanish has a great three-minute video on the verb pagar, which really helped me, and I recommend you check it out. And that's it! I love finding verbs like these five examples. If you think about it, these verbs with built-in, quote-unquote, prepositions actually make a lot of sense. If you are escuchando, of course you are listening to something. If you are buscando algo, then of course you are looking for something. There's not really any other meaning that would work. So, at least for these examples, Spanish has made things a lot more straightforward and simpler. What about you? Are there other such verbs that often trip you up or that tickle your ears? please share at contact@languageanswers.com. And in next week's, hopefully, next week's episode, we'll talk about more verbs that use prepositions differently than we would expect as English speakers, such as casarse, which uses the preposition con instead of a. You know, since in English we use a or at to get married to somebody versus casarse con alguien. And now let's go on to our cultural tip. Our cultural tip on Honduras. Today's tip highlights the national holidays of Honduras. To save on time, as always, and to avoid extreme repetitiveness, here is a quick list of holidays that many other countries also celebrate and or which we have covered in previous episodes. So I won't get into too much detail for these ones. There's New Year's Day, which is always celebrated January 1st. Father's Day is March 19th, celebrated on Dia de San Jose, or St. Joseph's Day, every March 19th. So technically, it's not an official national holiday, and it's a little bit different in that it's not celebrated on the same day as most of the rest of the world celebrates it. Then there's Holy Week. Uh, this year, it's April 3rd to April 9th, and it culminates in Easter Sunday. Monday through Wednesday are government holidays. Apparently, public workers are given the entire week off to, quote, encourage domestic tourism, unquote. Or at least that's what office holidays claims. One interesting thing to note, on Good Friday, April 7th, People will create alfombras, which are Christian-themed images and designs created from colorful sawdust. They are created in the morning, with the intent of being later destroyed by a religious procession. You can read more about it and see some photos of the cool artwork in the links I will include in the show notes. There's also Labor Day, which is May 1st, always, and it's also known as International Workers' Day. And then there's Mother's Day, which is May 14th, and that is the second Sunday in May. And again, technically it's not an official national holiday. And then, finally, there is Christmas Day, which is always celebrated on December 25th, called La Navidad. 
So let's go on to the unique national holidays. Honduras has six. The first is Panamerica Day, which is celebrated on April 14th, although sometimes it is officially celebrated on other days. Honduras is a part of the Organization of American States, also known as OAS, which has 35 member countries, including Colombia, Costa Rica, the United States, Venezuela, Mexico, you get the picture. It is the oldest regional organization in the world, having been formed on April 14, 1890, as the International Union of American Republics. This organization designated April 14th as Pan America Day back in 1930, yet Honduras is the only member country who celebrates it as a national holiday. If you want to learn more about the OAS, I have included a link to their website. The second is Independence Day, which is always celebrated on September 15th, El Día de la Independencia. Unlike most Independence Days, the Honduran national holiday is not just a celebration of the country's own individual declaration of independence, but that of many Central American countries from Spanish rule. Back in 1524, Hernán Cortés arrived in Central America and began the Triunfo de la Cruz settlement. Eventually, Guatemala, Honduras, Nicaragua, El Salvador, Costa Rica, and Chiapas, a state of Mexico, were put into one Kingdom of Guatemala. Then there was the Peninsular War across the sea in Europe, with Napoleon setting up King Joseph as ruler of Spain, and so king of its New World territories. And then after Napoleon's fall, King Ferdinand became king of Spain. Now, the province of Guatemala, on September 15, 1821, declared its independence through the Act of Independence of Central America. To celebrate this day, Honduras has parades, dancing, special food, etc. At the end of the day, they'll lower the flag while people sing the national anthem. Now, it was hard to find good videos of what a parade would look like in Honduras, so the closest thing I could find is by a gal whose YouTube account is called Amber Abroad. The video I've included a link for is a bit long, but you definitely get an idea of what it would be like to see a parade. She apparently has other videos highlighting her trip to Honduras. I haven't watched them, but if you are curious about life in Honduras, they might be a good place to start. Number three is Semana Morazanica, and this week starts on October 2nd and goes through October 5th. Now, this entire week is given for public workers only so that they get the entire week off. Uh, for everyone else, the holiday begins at 12 p.m. on Wednesday. This long holiday break is, again, according to officeholidays.com, supposed to encourage tourism, which is probably why it is now celebrated the first week of October. The following three holidays are a part of this week, Semana Morazanica. So, the first one, also number four on our list, is Discovery of America Day, which is October 4th. This holiday commemorates Christopher Columbus arriving in the New World. While the International Day is October 12th, Honduras moved the celebration to this week in 2014. The whole week of celebrations was then moved to its current time in 2015. Number five is Francisco Morazan's birthday, which is celebrated on October 5th. The only Honduran to have a national holiday, Francisco Morazan was the president of the Federal Republic of Central America from 1830 to 1839. He was born in the Honduran capital of Tegucigalpa, I apologize if I butchered that, on October 3, 1792, when it was still a part of Spain's empire. When much of Central America gained independence in 1821, he joined politics. In 1823, Guatemala, El Salvador, Honduras, Costa Rica, and Nicaragua declared their independence from Mexico and united together as the Federal Republic of Central America. Morazan was an interesting rebel. His uncle was elected as head of state for Honduras in 1824 and led the country more liberally than the then-president of the republic, José Manuel Arce. Arce sent troops to fix the situation, and while Morazan led a defense, he was defeated. He eventually escaped and led a revolt in 1827. 
He defeated the conservative forces in 1829 and then was elected as president of the United Provinces in 1830. How that happens, I have no idea. Because he instigated many liberal reforms, there were several conservative revolts. The first successful one was an uprising in Guatemala led by Rafael Carrera in 1837, and by 1839, many states had seceded. Carrera defeated Morazan and exiled him to Colombia. He then tried to restore things in 1842 and defeated the Costa Rican dictator Braulio Carrillo, yet soon after this his army was routed, he was captured, and then executed via firing squad. One thing to note while we're talking about all of this, when we use the terms liberal and conservative for this time period and this part of the world, it does not mean the same thing politically, philosophically, as our modern understanding in modern American politics. So please, don't take your current understanding of those terms and apply them retroactively to this time period, because it, it will not work. Anyways, moving on, last one, number six, Army Day, October 6th. This holiday used to be celebrated on October 21st, but it got moved as well back in 2014. The day celebrates the role the Honduran army has in protecting the country, but it also commemorates the first time the military intervened in politics for the sake of the people rather than for the government. In 1954, then-President Juan Manuel Galvez was seeking medical help outside of the country, and his vice president, Julio Lozano Diaz, took over presidential responsibilities. That December, he made himself the chief of state and began acting as president. The military stopped him, forcing his resignation in 1956. He then won an election, but the military junta claimed it was illegitimate, annulled it, and kicked him out of power on October 21st, 1956. And that's all for today. Thank you so much for listening, and don't forget to check out the show notes for links to the resources used for this episode. If you would prefer to read an approximate transcription of today's episode, you can also visit the blog. I would love to help you on your Spanish journey, so if you have any questions about today's episode, or even just on Spanish culture or grammar, you can reach me at contact at languageanswers.com or visit my website for more information. I can also be contacted regarding my services for Spanish to English translation, English technical writing, editing, and content creation, or even language consultations and tutoring for you or your business. Remember, learning a language is a lifelong journey, so please, aprovechalo, disfrútalo, y compártelo. I will hopefully see you next week. ¡Hasta luego!